Open those mouths and grab a pen, because we've got an information-packed bagel bite for you that should more than make up for our recent horse train antics. Kristen is starting us off with some wonderful words from a wolf listener who reminded us of why we started this podcast and gave Kristen her first taste of that sweet, sweet podcaster celebrity status. Then we're putting the ADHD back in ADHD adjacent as we delve into the world of comorbidities, from dyslexia to Ehlers-Danlos to ghosts in the blood. Just kidding on that last one, but the rest are dead serious. We're also covering auditory processing disorder, PMDD, vertical heterophoria, Erlen syndrome, and the old classics, anxiety and depression. Who knew comorbidities could be so fun? They said that we'd grow out of it. Well, the joke's on them. That's just our brains. We're eccentric, loud, and stubborn. And most of our clothing is covered in stains. It's not a deficit of attention. There's just too much to think about. So if executive dysfunction becomes a little too much, If you forgot why you came in this room, or you're hypersensitive to touch, then put on your seamless socks and come join our little flock. Bitches stimming together, we're weirds of a feather. Weirds of a feather. Ah! From the top. Bagel. He said bagel. Bagel by coming into your home. Come, Mr. Bagelman, bagel me bananas. <laughs> I didn't know bagel if you were going to change Bagel by coming <laughs> into your home. I don't know the rest of the song. I think that's it. I think that's I think the whole song. Is, yeah, the, it just that, ends right yeah, there. Yeah, I've never heard more of that song. It's like 37 seconds long. Yep. yep. And that's yep. it. There that's you all go. We need to know. All right. Welcome <laughs> to Weirds of a Feather. I'm your host, Kristen. I'm your host, Grace. And this is an ADHD-adjacent podcast. Welcome to Bagel Bite numero four. Yeah. And yes, Bagel Bite number four. Number four. We don't have a name for it yet. But we will. But we can't say that in the episode. Insert name here. That's a last minute decision. Okay. That comes from like a lot of inspiration, you know? Yeah. I need to be inspired by our I love our the words. names of the episodes. Thank you. I work really hard on them. Yeah, I know you do. And you, they, you pull through every time. Aw. I've you. never been disappointed. <laughs> Except that one time. <laughs> <laughs> We've got quite the little, tiny little itty bitty bagel bite, but it's packed full of nutrients. And by nutrients, I mean information. And it's not actually that itty bitty. It's more like a medium size. We actually had to cut it down and we're probably going to make this like a multiple part series. Yeah, we get carried away. Like most things, we just mm-hmm. get carried away with how much we want to say. Mm-hmm. And we wrote too much, but we will try to save some of it for another bagel bite. Yep. We like to keep all of our bagel bites into like a bite size formation, you know? Yeah. That's the goal. Bite. Got to keep up with the bite. Theme. (laughs) Theme. Bite theme. Bite size theme. That's what I was trying to say. Bite size theme. Okay. Do you want to tell the listeners what our topic today is? I would be honored to. Yep. Today in our bagel bite, we are talking about comorbidities. Whoa. Comorbidities. Yeah. So you might be asking or you might not be asking. doesn't matter because I'm saying it anyway. What's a comorbidity? (laughs) Well, comorbid, we can even break that down, but we won't. 
comorbid conditions or comorbidities, whatever you want to call it. There are two or more conditions that happen to occur in the same patient at the same time. Same time is key because if you get like appendicitis and then like 10 years later you get like a bad gallbladder, it's called cholelithiasis or cholecystitis, depending on what a, whether you have stones. Anyway, those are not comorbid because you had them at different times. Mm. They happen at the same time. Another word for this is a dual diagnosis. Uh, many people with ADHD, because we're bringing it back to ADHD, always have one or more comorbidity, such as depression, substance abuse disorder, a learning disability, oppositional defiance disorder, also known as ODD, or some other condition. And here we are. We're going to talk about them. We're going to talk about some and we're just doing little, little, we're piggy dipping to use a really old TikTok reference. That we're Kristen just, will never let die. I, it's the cutest one. It is. It is I the agree. cutest thing on TikTok. Anyway. Yeah, we wanted to just start this bagel bite with a little overview of some of the comorbidities that there show up with many. ADHD. There are so many. There are many. There's some, I learned that there are more than I thought. Yes. And that is a big reason why we're doing this episode, because we don't really hear people talk that much about the comorbidities with ADHD, but some of them have really big health implications. Right. There's like a couple. There's like the big three, I think. Well, I think there's more than the big three. Well, there, what I hear is the big three. The big two, actually. It's just all I hear about is anxiety and autism. But there are so, 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 so many more. Yes. And we will get into some of those, but some we will just kind of mention and we want to do a deep dive into them at some point. We don't have time to do all of them today, unfortunately. But if you hear us mention offhand a disorder or comorbidity that you want us to go more in depth about, send us an email at weirdsofafeather at gmail.com and let us know like, hey, we I want to hear more about dyscalculia, for example, mm -hmm. and we will try to work that into a future episode. But for now, we're just going to kind of do an overview and then go deep into a few of them. Deep into them. Deep. Because it's important to know. Doctors don't really, like, tell you that. Even if you do get diagnosed with ADHD, they're kind of just like, well, you have ADHD. See ya. See ya. When really, that should be a clue that, hey, there might be even more going on beyond the ADHD because there are so many comorbidities. Yeah. I think a lot of these comorbidities, it's hard to, like... Just like ADHD as a provider, it's hard to like nail down the diagnosis when there's not like lab results or mm. it's not like hypertension, which is high blood pressure. You can't just like go in, get your blood pressure taken. And they're like, it's higher than usual. Here you go. You've got hypertension. This is what you should do about it. You know, it's that's really easy to do. But with things like ADHD, substance abuse disorder, all these are all so complicated and they're based on more of subjective versus objective, mm. which we can talk about later. But basically, it's about what the patient is reporting and not like numbers, data, lab values, tests. Mm. And that is where we see a lot that things go wrong and biases, you know. Oh, before we get into comorbidities, do we want to do our little accomplishments? Yes. We kind of already got into comorbidities, but, yeah, but we want to... Yeah. Do our little accomplishments? Yeah, I would love to because got, I've got, uh, it's a medium big accomplishment, I would say. It's not really my, it's not, it's. Why don't you just tell us? Okay, I met a fan. <laughs> I'm so excited. I met Judy, a different Judy from your mother-in-law. Yes, different Judy. Uh, I met hey, different Judy. Our demographic is mostly Judy's. <laughs> <laughs> it's 90% Judy's. 90% Judy's with ADHD. 
ADH Judy. (laughs) (laughs) So I met Judy. Judy is the wife of one of my coworkers, and she happened to be swinging by work. And I met her. She's a huge fan of the podcast. And she was so excited to see me. And I was really excited to meet her because she comments on a lot of our Instagram posts. And I really appreciate it. It's nice to put like a face to the Instagram handle, if you would. (laughs) I will. Um, Yeah. And she had so many nice things to say about the podcast. I just I want to paraphrase her because I didn't get like an actual quote from her because I didn't have a pen. (laughs) Classic mistake. That's Um, so Kristen. And (laughs) that was such a dumb joke. What? That you didn't (laughs) have a pen? (laughs) I liked it. Oh, okay. (laughs) It's a callback. I know. It's just, (laughs) I surprise myself with my stupidity sometimes. (laughs) So to paraphrase Judy, she was saying she's very grateful for our podcast because she felt like basically her whole life, she has been a person, a neurodivergent, trying to kind of fit into a neurotypical world. Mm. And now she feels she is more accepting of her ADHD and also working with her ADHD brain to, you know, do her job and her daily activities of life mm. and kind of making her life easier by working with her brain rather than trying to fit into a neurotypical standard. Oh, and I Judy, thought that was really that's so beautiful. Yeah, I thought that was really, really nice of her. And she, she she feels like she's more accepting of it. And and she's also learning a lot. And I just thought that was very, very sweet. Aww. And I was so excited to see her. Judy, I love you. <laughs> Judy, I don't know you, but I also love you. Did you feel like a celebrity? I, I felt, yeah, it's, it was kind of a surreal moment. I got a picture with her, which I should text her. Judy, I want that picture. I want to frame it in the pod loft. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Put in the pod loft. I'm going to get like a, I want to get a really cool frame that says friends on it, you know? <laughs> like from Limited too. Yeah. Yeah. I want it bedazzled. I might so. have one in the attic, actually. Oh, yeah. You have a bunch of frames. Yeah. I yeah. have one like specifically in mind that I think is up there from like fourth grade. Yeah. I'm like best friends. Yes. That's exactly. <laughs> that's, that's the vibe from I'm Limited going. too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make copies of that picture. I'm going to mail one frame to her that says best friends. Hope you're ready. (laughs) My coworker's probably like rolling her eyes. (laughs) Actually, the coworker, huge fan of Kylie's podcast, The uh, Dark Down East. Oh, what's up, The Dark Down East? Yeah, she says she listens to it at night, which is troublesome to me because it's a really dark podcast. That doesn't faze me. Is that better or worse or the same as... David listening to this podcast while you he know, goes to I'm bed. Not sure. <laughs> They're both disturbing in different yeah, ways. It's uh, everybody's got their thing, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever helps you sleep at night. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a little accomplishment, but we're talking about it. <laughs> I think it's an accomplishment. It's yeah. it's a big moment and it's important to remember why we do this because obviously it's not for the money because there is no money. <laughs> there is no money. <laughs> so it's important to have those funsies. reminders of yeah. it's for funsies, but also it's to help other people accept ADHD into their heart and souls and accept how they have to do things and just learning to work with their brain and not hating themselves and instead being able to identify, oh, I just have a different brain. And so I think that is a big accomplishment. Yeah. I mean, I was really appreciative for her saying all those things. If you have nice things to say to us, please tell us. Only nice things. Don't send. I'm not ready for hate mail right now. No, I don't want it. But I don't have any coworkers, so I don't really have anyone. You've got Lucy. To give me feedback. Her feedback is not helpful. It's mean. (laughs) Hurts my feelings. You never feed me. She has nothing but criticisms. <laughs> anyway, Grace. Oh, we didn't even sing her song. And this is supposed to be a little plish. What are, what are we oh doing? Oh, my God. Where is my head? 
Little plushes. Little plushes. Oh, no one's even figured out what that is yet. No one's told us what that commercial is. Uh, Little plushes. We're just going to keep asking until someone tells us. What is it from? Ready? Little Little plushes. I think it's from Parks and Rec. I stand by my... I don't think it is. I think I would remember. I stand by my thought. (laughs) (laughs) It's good to stand by your thoughts. We're doing this out of order. But yeah, what's uh, what's your little plush? Little plushes. All right. For my little push this week, I am starting to do some more writing for the other ADHD podcasts that I produce for. Woo woo. You're a very good writer. Thank you. You know what? I'm working I on I know it. some of you aren't reading this show notes, but they're really funny. Well, now I read them at the top of the episode, so you have no choice you but have to no hear choice. my show notes. They're really funny. And now everybody who realizes that is being like, oh, they are really funny. Yep. Good thing I forced Egg that upon on your you. your face, listener. No. <laughs> Aren't you embarrassed? I, I love our listeners. It's okay that you don't read the show notes. It's not okay with me. But now you have to listen to them. And isn't that nice for me? Uh, yeah, I do like writing, but I feel like it just takes me forever because I'm so... I'm You're such an artiste. A, I'm such a perfectionist and I have to get like the exact right wording of something and I will spend hours and hours and hours on the show notes. Well, I think that shows a lot. You're not half It shows something. It. No, I'm like double assing it and I only have one ass and that's the problem. Multiple asses involved. I don't have multiple asses have to, to give, <laughs> but here I am. Where does the other ass come from? That's the problem. Transplant I'm ass. assless. <laughs> <laughs> Where is this going? Oh, so <laughs> what's your accomplishment? Where are we? Well, I was talking about writing and then you oh, okay. had to jump in with a compliment. I... <laughs> How dare I? The audacity. (laughs) How dare you? The other ADHD podcast that I produce for, I was so I was tasked with organizing a bunch of information from like five or six different articles. And I had to put that all into one cohesive outline for the person I produce for. And that is pretty much like the hardest executive functioning task for me is like summarizing because I always have so much to say. And the organization of like figuring out how to put all of this information into one outline It just like overwhelms my brain to the point where I shut down. And I also wasn't given like an explicit outline of how it should be done. So then I also had the stress of like, oh, no, I'm going to do it wrong. I'm going to be a failure. I'm going to embarrass myself. I'm not the good writer that everyone thinks I am. So all those led me to just like put it off and put it off because I would just avoid it because there was like I built up so much anxiety around it that I like then couldn't tackle it. But I finally got it done because I had to. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing like a deadline. Yeah, nothing like a deadline, really. And I spent like all Friday doing it. It was fucking miserable. And I like hated it the whole time. And I was upset that I had to do it. But I finally did it. And it's done. Yeah. I I haven't gotten feedback on it yet. So who knows if I did it right. But it is done. And isn't that the most important thing? There you go. So yeah, that's that's my little accomplishment. Woo-woo. Proud of you. you. I'm proud Proud of myself. That was a hard task. And I did it. That was a hard task. All right, now that's over with, shall we continue on with comorbidities? Yeah, I was just about to explain what a comorbidity was, but then oh, I remembered. You already did we that. We already did that. Yeah. So I hope everybody else remembered what a comorbidity was. If not, go back like five minutes and listen. Yeah, listen. And then come right back here because now we're going to continue on with comorbidities. Yeah. Grace, what's our next little topic about comorbidities? So the other thing with comorbidities, and like you were talking about, Kristen, It can be really hard to identify because if there's like multiple things going on, it's hard to tell what is what, especially because we still 
especially the medical community, does not have like a solid, accurate outline of like what are the actual traits of ADHD. You know, the DSM-5, the diagnostic criteria for ADHD is still only based on six to 12 year olds. So there's not even like adult traits for diagnosing ADHD. Well, isn't that grand? Yeah, it's really helpful. So that among with like just how these comorbidities can overlap, it makes it really hard to identify like what is what? Is this two things or one thing? So this article that I found that I will put in the show notes, it's talking about can comorbid disorders mask one another? And it says, yes, comorbid disorders often mimic or obscure each other's symptoms. For example, a person may be diagnosed with depression and then after treatment, the depression is under control, but he still has the problems with inattention. Thus, the diagnosis would change to include ADHD as well as the original diagnosis of depression. The ADHD was there the whole time, but it was overshadowed by the symptoms of depression. Mm. We've also talked about this before, that it could also be, especially when it comes to anxiety and ADHD, you can have a pure like generalized anxiety disorder, but you can also like develop anxiety as an almost maladaptive coping strategy for your ADHD. Oh my God, are you talking about me? Yes, directly talking about you. Oh my gosh, I'm so flattered. <laughs> so if you are going to like treat one thing, it's important to... Get to treat the cause, not the symptoms. Yes, yeah. So you take away someone's anxiety and the ADHD is still there, but now they've lost that coping strategy. However maladaptive that strategy might have been, it was there for a reason. You know, it was serving a purpose, even if it's not the best right. strategy. You got to replace it with some other strategy. So it's important that if you are being treated for one disorder, but you're kind of like, I feel like there's still something going on there. Be persistent with that and continue with that and talk to your doctor about it. And with things like depression, it'll be easier to identify the ADHD once that is being treated. Although untreated ADHD can also cause depression. So it's a whole mismatch. And isn't that fun? Yes. <laughs> isn't that great for us? <laughs> that great how it's so confusing and ambiguous. But I think that that leads to a lot of misdiagnosis. And I know that's incredibly frustrating, but it's because of everything being all gooey. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. This article that I'm talking about, they also talk about the prevalence of ADHDers developing bipolar disorder and then things like oppositional defiant disorder. But we also know that there is a high prevalence of ADHDers being misdiagnosed with a mood disorder because we do have that emotional dysregulation, which is a big aspect of ADHD, but Huge. it's not included in the DSM and it's not really looked at as a trait of especially adult ADHD. And so if a psychiatrist has only been trained on mood disorders and not ADHD, their first thing they're going to jump to is going to be a mood disorder because they're like, oh, emotional dysregulation must be bipolar, especially in people who are raised as a girl. I need to look up the numbers, but there is a high percentage of people who are misdiagnosed with bipolar before realizing it's actually ADHD emotional dysregulation. Would you say and you maybe we haven't really looked into this, but the same with people of color and minorities? Yes. Are most likely diagnosed with mood disorders or, or just not diagnosed at all. Yeah, yeah. They're a bad kid is what they are. Yeah, I think especially with black children, a lot of professionals because of, you know, because of the racism, racism. of our society is that they are identified as they're doing this on purpose, that this is like a behavior that they have. Or, yeah, it's seen as like this is a huge problem, must be bipolar, must be schizophrenia. It's like people jump to like the most extreme explanation. Right. Um, right. Or they're just not diagnosed at all or they're told it's like just depression. Right. Like like we laugh at Elena's pizza secret of kicking a kid. 
But I feel like, you know, if it were like a little boy of color, Mm. would the same response be like, oh, you can't kick kids. That's wrong. Or would it be like this boy is a delinquent? Yeah, he's he's a bad kid. He's having a behavior. He's a behavior. kid. Yeah. We talked about it in like episode two, I think, about how black boys are like four times more likely to be identified as like having bad behavior in school and black girls are like three times more likely. I'll have to find that article again. But yeah, essentially certain behaviors are looked at as either purposeful or concerning based on the color of your skin, really. Right. And that's definitely we could like revisit that topic and have a whole bagel bite and a half about it. Yes. Probably multiple bagel bites. Yes. A series of bites. (laughs) A whole tray of bagel bites. Yeah, we'll have to have someone... And a bag of Tostitos pizza rolls. (laughs) We'll have to have someone on to talk about that and talk about their personal experience with it because I would love to, you know, hear that from someone who actually went through it. Yeah, maybe it shouldn't be like two white women talking about the black experience. Yes, but I... Yeah, I do think it's good for us to highlight that there is that discrepancy and that there is a huge difference in who gets the diagnosis, who gets the support, whose behaviors are seen as, oh, we need to help them versus, oh, they're a bad kid and we must punish them. Right. So, yeah, we will go into that more in depth at some point. But yeah, we'll have... For now, we're just talking about comorbidities. Yes. Oh, yeah. So I was saying that... So this article was also talking about like the prevalence of bipolar disorder as a comorbidity with ADHD. But because it's often misdiagnosed as bipolar, whenever I see those numbers, I'm like, eh... I don't know. Makes me it just makes me question it a little bit. And so we will go into bipolar disorder and ODD and a few other things more in depth at some point. But those are areas that we definitely want to do more thorough research on and go more in depth and just really make sure that we're not conflating the two and that we are paying attention to that, that it can be misdiagnosed as bipolar. So we will not talk about bipolar today, but just know that that's it's there is there and it's an issue yep same with odd yep so we're going to talk about just a few of the big comorbidities that especially there are a couple that i just wanted to touch upon because i feel like people including myself don't really just like with adhd don't actually have a solid understanding of what this is beyond the stereotypes right to begin with about 50 to 60 percent of people with adhd also have a learning disability And the most common of these is dyslexia, which is a language-based learning disability that affects reading. Dyslexia is a neurologically-based condition, and substantial research has found differences in dyslexic and non-dyslexic brains. So just like with ADHD, like ADHD is not just the inattention. It's like it's a whole neurodivergence, our whole brain wiring and how it's shaped and our chemicals and how we think and process the world. Everything is different. It's not just this area of attention. Same with dyslexia. Dyslexia is a neurodivergence where your brain, it's like the brain structuring is different. And I feel like that's something that I didn't really realize until I started doing more of this work is that dyslexia is not just you switch around letters, which that's not even what it is. So it's good to think about that as like this is kind of a whole a whole brain process, you know. Contrary to popular belief, dyslexia is not reading letters or words backward, which I always thought it was. That's like a stereotype. That's not even correct. That's not dyslexia. Those are the little girls from The Shining. Red Rum. <laughs> Red Rum. Red Rum. Come play with that us, That a- was a good reference. Thank you. Yeah. So dyslexics may have difficulty with phonemic awareness, which is the recognition and breaking down of sounds and letters. Difficulty in segmenting words is common in the disorder. Rhyming, 
fast, effortless recognition of sight words. What is a sight word? So that's just a word like the, that you look at it and you're not having like the, uh, you're not having to sound it out. You just look at it and you recognize it. Oh, that is the. Oh. Yeah. Whereas with phonemic awareness, that's where you're like able to segment the word into each individual sound. Recognition. Yes. Recognition. (laughs) Perfect. Just want to give people (laughs) the examples. That was a good example. Thank you. You're so welcome. (laughs) And so all of these difficulties affect the rate, accuracy, fluency, and comprehension of the materials that are being read. The rapid naming of letters, objects, colors, and pictures may also be impaired. Learning the alphabet is more difficult for dyslexic children. These challenges often coexist with high verbal abilities, and that's a really important thing for dyslexia, is their verbal speech actually might even be advanced for their age. Because if you think about it, the brain is making up for this one area in a different area. So it often can actually be a sign of high intelligence in different areas. You're going to see this discrepancy in maybe their verbal abilities are really high, but then their physical reading comprehension is lower. We tend to expect good speakers to also be good readers, and this is not the case with dyslexics. Other challenges include spelling, cursive writing, foreign languages, and any information that relies on rote memory, like phone numbers and so on. So rote memory is just like rope memory? Rote, R-O-T-E. Oh. That's kind of like a sight word, almost. Like, basically, you're remembering it just as the thing. You know, you're not, it's not within context. Like, remembering a phone number. There's not really any context to remember it other than you literally just have to memorize these seven numbers. Oh, okay. You know, there's no, it's okay. not, basically, it's out of context. There's nothing to yeah. help you. Anatomy. Yeah, yes. That's a, actually a great example. I hate anatomy because I can't remember anything. Same. And, like, is that difficulty with rote memory within this context or is that, like, poor short-term memory and we don't have context for it? Or is it both? Yep. So getting into that, ADHD symptoms are exacerbated by dyslexia and vice versa. And they have also have several symptoms or traits in common, such as information processing speed challenges, which I think you and I both have that where, you know, it takes us a little bit to like process what we're reading or what's being said to us. Uh, Working. If we even read. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I don't know how to read. Working memory deficits, naming speed. So like the rate at which you can come up with a name for something. (laughs) (laughs) Not not to call you out. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. And motor skill deficits. So it's easy. I think I've got good motor skills. Yeah, I think you do too. I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I am. Hmm. I work in surgery. Toot that horn. I should have some basic motor skills. Yes, I would hope so. I feel like sometimes every once in a while, I kind of like, it's almost like my gears get clogged and I just go, ah. Anyway. Anyway. Motor skills. (laughs) Yeah. And just like most things when we're talking about behavioral health is that dyslexia is a spectrum, you know? I don't want to go too deep into dyslexia. I think we already are. I think we already are. (laughs) To wrap it up, these are just a couple examples of like the differences between dyslexia and ADHD. And like we said, they're very, very comorbid. So you could also have both. But it's important to know if you have just one or the other. So dyslexic students who haven't been diagnosed with ADHD will exhibit concentration and attention problems primarily with reading demands, but generally not in other situations. For individuals with ADHD, attention is low in any unstimulating environment or task. So if you were just dyslexic without the ADHD, you would be able to focus fine, I guess, in situations that didn't involve reading demands. But for us, we have trouble with attention everywhere, all the time. If it's boring, 
If it's boring, I'm not there yep. mentally. And generally, those that are diagnosed with dyslexia are better at auditory processing than those with ADHD. Oh, boy. Yeah. And I have a hard time with auditory processing. I'm like on a one to two second delay at all times. <laughs> I would say longer. <laughs> <laughs> so if this does kind of spark something in you where you're like, oh, interesting. I hadn't really known that about dyslexia and you want to look into it more. Tracy Otsuka on ADHD for Smart Ass Women has some really, really great recent episodes on dyslexia. Her son, Marcus, recently found out that he is dyslexic. So if any of this resonated with you, I highly recommend checking those episodes out. And that's going to be linked in the show notes. Maybe, but also just type in ADHD for smart-ass women wherever you listen to this podcast and you will find it. There you go. Yeah. All right. I can't do all the work for you guys. Sorry. Well, yeah. <sighs> I'm only one person. <laughs> all right, Kristen, why don't you go into one of your things so yeah, I, I can, can go into one of my stop things. talking for a second. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. I was going to I was going to have this big thing on anxiety and autism and then I got into a deep dark hole on a different topic. And that topic is called Ehlers-Danlos and Hypermobility Spectrum Disorders. Have oh, you heard of these? I have, but in passing? I, I want to learn more. Yeah. So I'm still learning about it. And I highly, 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 highly recommend going on www.ehlers-danlos. <laughs> I think you're missing a W in there. Oh, I am. Oh, shoot. <laughs> and also, you don't need to type in www. Okay, just type in ehlers-danlos.com. It's a whole website about the Ehlers-Danlos Society. Hmm. I think I'm saying that wrong. I did look up on YouTube how to say it right. I didn't pay attention. I think you got it. Uh, I think there's a couple ways to say it. And let's just say your way is right. Yeah, but it's a mobility disorder where you have hypermobile joints, which are joints that move past what they normally should. Hmm. And this is mostly due to an abnormality in your collagen formation. If we all go back to basic anatomy, your skin has elastin that makes it stretchy. And then it also has collagen that makes it like structurally sound. Collagen is through, throughout your body, in your muscles, in your tendons, your ligaments, a lot of times in your tendons and ligaments. So when you have loosey-goosey collagen, your joints are going to be all over the place, right? Right. Right. So <laughs> so there's two different types. There's a hypermobility spectrum disorder. There's the Ehlers-Danlos, and that is also several different categories. They're quite complicated, and I frankly don't believe we have to, like, really get into the nitty-gritty right now. We can always revisit it this later. Mm. But studies are showing that there's a very high correlation between people with hypermobility spectrum disorders and Ehlers-Danlos and ADHD. And I will link two studies in the show notes below. One is actually from 2021, and they were kind of theorizing that maybe both those kind of affect your central nervous system, like maybe your collagen oh. and your central nervous system is a little wonky, which causes, you know, your ADHD. That's the theory. Right now, we're just looking at correlations. Correlations does not mean causation. They just tend to, there's a trend that they are comorbid. Mm. And that's not in everyone, but they're finding that more and more and more. And I also think, you know, we are learning more about hypermobility syndrome, too. Just like ADHD, there's still so much we don't know about it. So what 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 happens here? That's the big thing. So you have these hypermobile joints, but it's so, so much more. And I'm just going to go into it a little bit. 
just going to piggy dip my toe into it. You have many symptoms. So you have fatigue. And not everybody has all these symptoms, but here are most of the symptoms. Fatigue, arthralgias, which are severe joint pain. Myalgias, which are severe muscle pain. Neuropathies, you guessed it, severe nerve pain. Mm. You can have frequent dislocations of your joints or subluxations, which means the joints, they kind of slip out of place, but not all the way. Uh. And then they go back in. Uh. That's painful. Uh Yeah, I bet. Um, (laughs) Pelvic floor weakness, which can lead to things like rectal, vagina, or uterine prolapse, which means Uh. imagine Uh. putting a balloon inside Uh. out and that's like your vagina, you Uh. know? It's Uh. not great. No, thanks. So I work in vascular surgery and what we see often with people with uh, Ehlers-Danlos is they have a thoracic aortic aneurysm, which means the brain, the aorta that, that's in your chest. You know, your aorta is this big garden hose that comes right off your heart and then it feeds the rest of your body. And there's the part of your aorta that is in your abdomen. And then there's the part that comes like right off the heart that's still in your chest. That's called the thoracic one. They get a lot of aneurysms there. The biggest risk about an aneurysm is it has the risk to rupture if it gets too big. And as you can imagine, if that's the biggest blood vessel in your body and then it bursts, Ah. that's kind of a big issue. Yeah. So that's a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, And then it just like kept going. And I just want to just say, I did go down a deep, dark hole last night. And I did do a bunch of tests on YouTube videos. And am I looking into this more for myself? Absolutely. And here's the reason. Here's the one reason why. The one reason, because one sign of hypermobile syndrome or hypermobile spectrum disorder is, and I quote, soft, velvety like skin, variable hyperextendability. Is that not me? Feel yes. my skin. Feel yes. how soft and velvety it is. Get your hand up there. Ooh, very ah, soft. Is that not velvet? It is. I am known for my stretchy skin. I know. We've talked about it before. I was going to say, when I first heard about Ehlers-Danlos on on TikTok, not to, but really, that's where I first heard about it. And the second I saw a video, I was like, Kristen, this I've is got, Kristen. I've got... My my joints are all I'm I'm all out of shape here. I've got hyper. I did all the tests. They're like, can you get your thumb and make it touch your forearm? I can. Can you twist your finger backwards? Kind of. Are do your knees go back? Yeah. As do my elbows. It's. I'm like, holy moly. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I, but I, I do think you might thing? have it because no one else has skin. I've never met people with skin like me except for my brother. Yeah, you do have very stretchy skin and very and soft, it's, it's velvety, very skin. velvety skin. It is. You know, I get a lot of compliments on my velvety skin. Not you have on my beautiful face. skin. My face skin, not so much, but my arm skin. I love your face skin even oh. more than your arm skin. Oh, oh my gosh! I love gonna, all your skin. I'm gonna cry. I love your back skin. I love your knee skin. Oh, I've got toe skin. Is like, eh. but the rest of it, eh, that's great. What's wrong with my toe skin? I can't get into it right now. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so once again, it's a spectrum. But, you know, depending on what side of the spectrum you're on, it can be incredibly debilitating and have, you know, a thoracic aneurysm is kind of a big deal and requires a major surgery. You need to go to like Boston if you're in New England to have that repaired, you know? Yes. And and, and it, can ca- it can cause a lot of like chronic pain. Chronic right? pain, chronic fatigue. It is it can be a disabling condition. Mm. So I think, you know, if you are someone, once again, we're still just looking at correlations. There's no, we haven't like pinpoint any sort of cause or like 
this is it. Here's the connection. Mm. You know, we're still looking for the missing link, I guess. Mm. But what we're finding is with high incidences of ADHD, we see high incidences of the hypermobility spectrum disorders. And it's also very comorbid with autism as well, right? Yes. 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 Like That's another even one. more comorbid, I think. Yeah. I don't know the exact percentages, but I do know. And neither do I, but yeah. I should. <laughs> yeah. But I think they're both pretty comorbid. And then with autism, it's like even higher. Yeah. So did I go down a deep, dark rabbit hole? I sure did. And did I make myself and Christopher do a bunch of online tests on YouTube? Yep. And I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing to know. Like you said, it has a lot of health implications. And then something I was learning about it, and I think we will link a TikTok of this person who does a lot of work specifically with hypermobility and how to navigate the gym and how to navigate your workouts when you are hypermobile. And a big thing is that static stretching can actually be a really bad thing to do if you're hypermobile because you're already having the problem of being too loosey-goosey. Your muscles are like a little too extended. And then if you're doing static stretching, so just like stretching without any like weight or resistance component to it, you're really just like lengthening and loosening up those muscles even more, which is the cause of your joint pain to begin with or whatever right. it is. Right. Yeah. So her TikTok, hers is burritos and what? Burritos and ADHD. Yeah. So she's going to be linked in the show notes and I'm going to be doing a deep dive tonight on her page. Cool, cool, cool. I wish I had more about anxiety and autism. <laughs> well, those are I big don't. those are big things and we will go into those soon because those I feel like deserve their own episode. Right. I have some 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 I was just about to say some sad statistics, but <laughs> I have some little statistics about both. Okay. I guess while right. we're on the topic, yeah, we can now. go through. Yes. Okay, let's talk about anxiety first. So I think it was on the Chad website. It said that anxiety is the most common comorbidity of ADHD at about 25%. Mm, I think um, it's higher. I think it's higher, too. So here's a quote. Here's a quote. Get a pen. Get a pen. No, don't get and a pen. Throw it away. It says, and this is more talking about exactly what you were saying, how, you know, sometimes it's ADHD, sometimes it's maladaptive coping mechanisms, sometimes it's ADHD on top of generalized anxiety disorder. So hmm. individuals diagnosed with ADHD and anxiety disorders tend to have more severe anxiety symptoms than do those without ADHD. But even adults with ADHD who do not meet the diagnosis criteria for anxiety may experience occasional and situational anxiety in their daily lives precisely because of ADHD, which may cause time blindness, poor working memory, and exaggerated emotions, among other anxiety-producing symptoms. Mm. So basically what they're trying to say in this article, which, once again, in the show notes, and this is from Attitude Magazine. Attitude. Oh, man, I had to. I just like put a Midwestern accent on that one for no say, reason. Where are you from? I am uh, not from here, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Attitude magazine. What I think I got out of this article is saying that you have people with ADHD running through life. And just because you have ADHD in a neurotypical world, that's anxiety producing because of mm. the said things. Time blindness, your working memory issues, emotional dysregulation. That's anxiety producing. Mm. And then, you know, what if you're a person with ADHD and generalized anxiety disorder? That's even worse. But it's hard to decipher between the two. Are you just ADHD? Are you both? Are you just anxiety? It's 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 all blurry and it's very hard to kind of like siphon out which diagnosis is which, which is why we get a lot of people with misdiagnosis. Hmm. 
Yeah, I think a lot of doctors and psychiatrists kind of just jump to anxiety because it's one that they've learned a lot about. They've learned a lot about it. There's a lot of medications for it. But There's I, an easy diagnosis code in the mm, billing department. Ba, 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 I, I, think, I think in like 20 years, anxiety is going to be kind of like how schizophrenia was, where it's like, we don't know what this is. Schizophrenia. And a lot of things kind of just <laughs> fell you know, under the umbrella of schizophrenia. That and, is a good thought. I hope it does. How about it, that? It wasn't 20 years ago. It was like way further back Or when than they that. like diagnose women with hysteria. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think she's got uterine con- uh, congested uterus. <laughs> I think schizophrenia like came after hysteria. And that was kind of just like a shifted a little bit of like, OK, we finally recognize it's not just women being hysterical. There's other things going on. It must be schizophrenia. It must be schizophrenia. Let's label anyone who's like sad or upset with our current society as schizophrenic. Right. So I think anxiety disorder is going to kind of be like that, where we're like, wow, we were just really labeling a lot of different things as anxiety and depression. And it's just because we don't know. And that's the thing with medicine is there's always more to know. Mm, It's always Um, changing. It's always changing. Just think at one point, you know, bloodletting was like the standard practice for like, oh, you got a fever? Let's Mm. get some blood out of you, you know? And that was like standard practice. Ghosts in your blood. You got ghosts in your blood. <laughs> Ghost blood. Ghost blood. Coming this summer. I was just. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're. Why don't you. You want to do one of yours? Yeah. Well, I was going to say we're already pretty much like over our time limit oh, because of course shit. we are. And I had a few others where I want to go over, but I think I'm just going to mention them really quickly and then yeah. we'll go. We'll do a deeper dive. Deeper. Deeper. We'll do a deeper dive into them deeper. in another episode. But if you hear any that spark your interest, let us know so then we can like focus on that. We do want to hear your input. You know, we want to be we want to be talking to you and giving you the information that you want. We got to give the listeners what they want. So I just had a few other comorbidities on here. That, a few. Yes. This is like four pages Shh, long. Quiet. I'll summarize it. Watch me go. OK. OK. Well, a big one that I've already talked about before that's kind of more obvious is an auditory processing disorder. And this is like essentially when you hear you hear speech as like garbled. An auditory processing disorder makes it difficult to understand and interpret information presented orally. And it's not about like your physical hearing mechanism. It's about the actual processing of understanding the words that are being spoken to you. So this article says it's like trying to listen on a cell phone with the signal cutting in and out, which, yes, that's exactly exactly how it feels like for me. So I'll link an article in the resources if you want to look more into this. I'm not going to go in depth right now, but I just wanted to say that a big thing that really helps me with my auditory processing, especially, well, not especially, the only time this is really applicable is when I'm watching TV and I put the captions on. I fought captions for so long. Mm-hmm. I was always like, no, they're distracting. I hate captions. Meh, meh, meh. And then I finally leaned into it and put them on the TV like two and a half years ago. And now I cannot watch TV without right. them. Same, 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 same. They're, it, they just change everything. It's like no matter how loud it was, I still was not able to. My brain like could not interpret what these words were. And then if there's other people in the room and then they're laughing or they're saying something, I'd be like, shut up, everyone, shut up. I can't hear. I can't hear. I can't follow like, the story. The captions just make that so much easier right, <laughs> where you don't right. have to like flip out at people. And I also feel like, especially like in action movies or suspenseful yeah. movies, there's like, they're going to talk quietly like this. Yes. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, like a I huge something. That. And you're like, great. Now my ears are bleeding because I turned it up because they were whispering. Yep. Plus, it also gives you context, you know, if something is like spelled differently or it's like a pun names. or yeah, names, that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes people will like, yeah, whisper something 
or the scene is cutting away as someone's saying something. Right. And normally that would be speech that I didn't even realize was or dialogue that I didn't even right, realize was being right. said. And then I'll see in the captions. I'm like, oh, they said something. But right. otherwise I would not have even known they were like whispering something. So just give it a try, I would say, if you feel like you are hearing people we're like Charlie Brown's teacher. We're taking a poll. We don't really take polls on Bagel Bites, but I'll take this poll. This Do is an important one. Put captions on your television. And if you're someone who has ADHD and you're like adamantly against captions, give them a try. Like, have you ever actually tried them? Because I know they can be distracting at first, but it might be, especially for something where there's a lot of dialogue, it might be that you can get past it and actually use it as a tool. And maybe you don't. Maybe you still don't like it. But I say give it a shot because I always thought I hated them and they've actually been extremely helpful and I will never go back. I'm never going back. (laughs) Can't make me. All right. Onward. I'll cover two more and then we will be done. Yep. So PMDD or premenstrual dysphoric disorder. That is another really big comorbidity with ADHD that I had no idea about. There are a lot of like hormone-related disorders that are very comorbid with ADHD, and our ADHD itself is very affected by hormones. If you're a person who gets periods, that in itself has a big fluctuation in how our ADHD presents throughout the month. And we also have higher rates of postpartum depression. One study found that women with ADHD more commonly experience symptoms of hormone-related mood disorders, and those symptoms may be more severe than those experienced by women without ADHD. There's a lot to cover in this area. I'm still in the process of actually trying to figure out if I have PMDD myself, which I wouldn't have ever even considered until I saw something about how this is comorbid with ADHD. I'm like, wait a minute. And so I'm looking into that. I'm going to talk to my doctor about it soon, actually. So I will update you guys on that. But I just wanted to put it out there for that for people who have periods and who can get pregnant, that there are quite a few hormone related ADHD comorbidities. And so it'd be really good to look into if you're having anything going on in that area that's wonky. Same with PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. That's also a comorbidity. So I'll cover that more in depth later. But I just want to throw it out there. That is a thing. So look into it if that sparked your interest. And the last thing I just want to cover really quick, mostly because I would never think that these would be related, are eye conditions. And yeah, which like I never would have even considered that in the realm of, oh, this is something to look out for. This is a comorbidity. I guess your eyes are technically in your brain. Technically, yes, just barely. They're just touching it. Yeah, turns out your brain is very important for like using your eyes. So they, oh, are, they are connected. Yeah, it's good to know. Yes. And All there, these years of anatomy. <laughs> and there are two that I had never even heard of, but can make life extremely difficult. So they're actually like a huge thing to know about. One is called vertical heterophoria. And this woman, Renee Brooks, has ADHD and she has an awesome, awesome blog called Black Girl Lost Keys. I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> She's <really> amazing. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's like, isn't that the perfect title? She talks a lot about black women, especially with ADHD and the stigmas. Oh, cool. And so, yeah, please check out her blog because she's just phenomenal. I think she has either her own podcast or she is on people's podcasts a lot. I can't remember which one it is, but I've heard her on a bunch of different podcast episodes. She's phenomenal. And she was talking about vertical heterophoria. It's a very like not well-known eye condition that's caused by the misalignment of the eyes. It's what's known as a binocular vision dysfunction. And that means that there is a slight imperceptible difference in your eyesight that could be causing you a whole array of unpleasant symptoms. So like your eyes are designed to work together to create one clear image to present to your brain. 
But if they're slightly misaligned, your eye muscles have to work overtime to help correct this misalignment. And so it can lead to like super debilitating symptoms, like um, a lot of problems with your eye muscles, a lot of fatigue, especially if you're on the computer all the time. Like Renee was saying that she would get these splitting migraines where it's like she would be on the computer Monday and Tuesday at work. And then by Wednesday, she couldn't even be on the computer. It was like that severe. Oh, my God. And there's a pretty easy way to correct it with these glasses. Not easy. The solution is simple once you get to the solution, but getting to the solution is difficult because most optometrists don't learn about vertical heterophoria. You have to go to a specialist. So in her blog that I've linked, she has a bunch of other links about how to look into this if you think you might have it, how to find a specialist. And some other symptoms are motion sickness, anxiety, vertigo, neck pain, and more. Yeah. And neck pain is another one that Renee had pretty severely. And I would never I would never think of that as like being connected to an eye condition. But it totally makes sense, you know, that you're just everything is like more strained and everything is working overtime to correct this misalignment. And the last one I want to touch on real quick is Erlen syndrome. This is a perceptual processing disorder. It's not an optical problem. So it's not any problem with the actual like eyeballs themselves. It's a problem with the brain's ability to process visual information. Okay. Kind, of, kind of like an auditory processing disorder. So the problem isn't the ear. It's like the pathway and how your brain processes it. So vertical heterophoria was a literal process with your eyeballs being uneven. Yes, like a physical right. misalignment. And then Erlen syndrome is more not your eyeballs, but your brain balls, Yes, of how you're processing balls. it. Yeah. Studies show that 33% of people with ADHD also have Erlen syndrome. What? That's such a high number. Yes. And yet, that's higher than the anxiety. Yeah. Like most people, including me, had never heard of that before looking into ADHD. What? That's such a huge. I know. Holy shit. Could you imagine? Okay. Uh, that's such a high. I know 33 percent. You're like, well, that's like less than half. But that in medicine, that's such a high comorbidity. Yep. Could you imagine if let's say you took lisinopril, common blood pressure medication. Let's say if they are like, OK, 33 percent of the time when you take this medication, you're going to go blind. Yeah. That would be no, very one concerning. Would, no one would take the medication. Yes. That's yes. such a high. That's such a that's such a high percent. If it was like a point oh oh one or a point one, even ten percent, ten percent, I wouldn't take a med- that thirty three one third. OK. And as you're saying this, I am remembering I'm pretty sure that vertical heterophoria impacts like 50 percent of people what with ADHD. Fuck? Have, I have to look at Renee's oh blog again. God. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like 50 percent. Everybody go get your eyes checked. Yes. Seriously. I need to make an appointment. Whether you have ADHD or not, especially. Make- well, the problem, though, is that you most like optometrists aren't just straight up trained in how to diagnose these and look at these. They're like a specialist area. So even if you did think that you had vertical heterophoria and you go to your optometrist, they most likely will not have the training to even be able to identify it. So you would have to go see one of these specialists. But there is a good list of people who can identify it for you and like next steps to take if you think you have it, because the implications are huge that you could be living your life with like not even being able to work on the computer, having like extreme migraines, motion sickness, anxiety. So Erlen Erlen And then Erlen syndrome, it says here, Oh, shoot. I'll let you say it. (laughs) Okay. It runs in families. Yes. Yeah. And so Erlen syndrome. Your children could have this. Yeah. It's genetic. It runs in families, just like with ADHD, just like dyslexia also. Oh, shoot. I didn't know that. 
Yep. If you have a sibling who is dyslexic, you have a 50% chance of also being dyslexic. And I'm sure if there's ADHD in there as well, the number is even higher of like the comorbidity chance. But with Erlen syndrome, I didn't write down exactly what's happening, but essentially the fix is like even easier where you literally just need a different either tinted glasses and like what color tint you need depends on like how you're being impacted by it. Like some people need pink glasses, some people need blue, some people need yellow or changing the color of the actual paper itself that you're like reading from. I don't know if it's like one or the other or it's like these both need to be switched. But yeah, the way to fix it is as easy as like changing the tint of the lens you're looking through or what you're looking at. I'm going out tonight. I'm buying blue glasses, yellow glasses, pink glasses. Yeah, I mean, you could. All the glasses. <laughs> you could. You could try You could try that out. But that I don't know how much optometrists know about that one. But I also think that one is like not very well known. But it's worth talking to your optometrist about or talk to your doctor about because they might have some information about it or maybe it piqued their interest. And so they actually have, you know, looked into this and specialized in it. So you just never know. But if you feel like Holy you shit. have trouble with like visual processing and it goes beyond your ADHD where it's not just an attention problem, it's like you're actually experiencing pain or difficulty understanding what you're reading that it would be good to look into these conditions because they're not very well known, but they have huge implications. 33%. Yep. It's crazy. I know. And you would never hear about it. And that's what Renee was saying, that this changed her life. Like finding out about vertical heterophoria and just getting, they put like a prism in their in the glasses and that's yep. how they fix vertical heterophoria. And it's as easy as putting this, this special prism in your glasses lens. And it's like, she said it was such an easy fix, but if she had never heard about it, then she would have these like really debilitating symptoms for something that's as easy as being fixed by a prism. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So this is that's one of many reasons why we wanted to do this episode, because no one really talks much about the comorbidities. And if you get even if you do get diagnosed with ADHD or autism, it shouldn't just be like, all right, well, that's it. The end of the rope. Have Here a good day. Go. Yeah. It's like good luck. It's not usually just ADHD or just autism. There's usually at least one other thing going on there. So, yeah, we will continue to cover these. Let us know if anything sparked your interest that you want us to talk about You want another deep dive? You want us to hyper-focus on something? Let us know. We'll do it. Oh, we will do it. Yeah. You can reach us at weirdsofafeather at gmail.com. You can DM us on the Instagram at weirdsoffeather. And you can also find us on TikTok. We're kind still of. doing... Kind of. What are you talking about? I've been posting. Oh, that's right. Sorry. I've been posting a lot yeah, on you're doing a the great job. April Anarchy Butt Music Bracket. And there have been some heated, heated discussions. However, they're about to get even more heated as we go through the bracket. Ooh. This week, we've got quite the lineup. It's going to be intense. I'm excited for it. I'm excited as well. Yeah, so yes. check that out. We want your we want your input. The people need to know this is important stuff. Yes, yes sure. Oh, vertical header for you. You know what's more interesting right now is who is going to win the butt music bracket. Who is the most butt? These are the things that matter. Yes. So check that out. Make your vote count. Do your research. And... Mm -hmm. ah! <laughs> Okay, yeah, I think that's it. Okay, uh, thanks, sorry, bye. Sorry this episode wasn't as silly as normal. You guys but, are probably thankful for that, actually. Yeah, you know, we've had some silly episodes, but this one's a little bit more serious. We toned down the jazz just a little. Yeah, and and you know what? Next week, we'll tone it back up. We'll be back with so much jazz, you'll say, Jesus Christ, that's too that's jazzy. too much jazz. That's too much jazzy. You know what? I've been there before. It's too jazzy. It's hard to find that medium, you know? We're yeah. very all-or-nothing people, so yeah. we're either... 
I was going to say we're either really serious. I would say but, we're, uh, we're not very serious. We're never really serious. We're less serious Toned or down. super not serious. Yep. We're either like a five or we're a 37. <laughs> <laughs> There's no zero and no in between. And OK, and I think we've said enough words, right? All right. Is that enough words? Yeah, I think I'm ready to squawk out. I am also ready to squawk out. Squawk it. Nice. Thanks. As an aggressive. That was a bird going through some sort of trauma. I was picturing like scuttle. That sounds like oh, scuttle. scuttle. Yeah. He's more of a... Oh, that was a good scuttle. Yeah. From the Little Mermaid, everyone. Come on. Keep up with the references. Yeah. I just assume people would either get it or they don't. Yep. Her, her, her. Whoa. Wow. That was, was like that? a jungle. That was a jungle bird. Canned? Yeah. Maybe. It <laughs> really escalated. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>